Welcome to the Misha All Access Podcast. I'm Dr. Jennifer Ruckstad, the Executive Director for the Missouri State High School Activities Association. I'm joined today with Assistant Executive Director Doug Fessler, and we are here to talk about the Missouri State Basketball Championships coming up not too far away here. So, Doug, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Looking forward to it. So we're going to be talking about the championship that is the culmination of our winter season, and that's our basketball championships. Let's start with some of the details. Where do we play our state basketball championships? Classes one through three, we had two weekends. One through three is March 9th through 11th. The classes four through six is March 16th through 18th, both held at Great Southern Bank Arena in Springfield, Missouri, in conjunction with Old Hammond's Student Center. So games are played in both arenas over the three-day period. The two-arena setup is something we've done for quite some time, even when we were still in Columbia a few years ago. Why do we have the basketball championships in two arenas? Well, it allows for really scheduling purposes. Over a three-day period, we have four games that happen the first day with one class. The next day, we have both arenas going. Six games, both arenas. We have some trophy games from the first day for the class that got there, and then semifinals for the rest. Culminates with the third day, two games in Hammond Student Center, and then another full six games, all trophy games in Great Southern Bank Arena. And the situation in Springfield there with those two arenas, you've got the Hammond Student Center, which was the old basketball arena for Missouri State University. And then they have the new arena next to them, the Great Southern Bank Arena. And there's it's literally like a 40-foot walkway between the two. It's incredibly fan-friendly to go between the two arenas. And they definitely have different feels. Both arenas are very different. Personally, I really like watching basketball in both arenas. The Hammond Student Center is kind of a more old school. It's got the deeper bowl, and it's fun to watch a basketball game in there. Both arenas, like you said, are very unique. Last year, my first time being down there in this position, it's very different from the floor perspective and the fans' perspective up top and around. Hammond's, it does. It has the old school a lot of bleachers, a lot of end, there's end seating, kind of with, to me, you get a little more on top of the court than Hammonds, and you could argue it's maybe even a little louder there. We had some great games last year, it was pretty loud. GSB, Great Southern Bank, state of the art, spread out a little bit more, obviously holds more, like it holds nearly 11,000 when it's full, and it's, excuse me, a great atmosphere for both, but it's just a, you're not as hands-on on top of the court, so... Obviously, though, both awesome venues to be in. And then, like you said, connected by a hallway that is between them both inside for the players, coaches. They don't have to go outside. It's a huge plus for the city of Springfield. Yes. So how do teams qualify for the state tournament? Historically in Missouri, we bring four teams to the final site. So how does a team qualify? So... You register for a postseason. Once you register for postseason, you're placed in a district. In classes one through four, there are 16 districts. In classes five and six, there are eight districts. In classes one through three, we have a little over 100, and just kind of how they fall, dispersed throughout each class. And then class four, there's about 96 teams, and then classes five and six, there's 64 teams that are split up amongst the districts based on geographical location and trying to have numerical balance within those districts. 
you win your district. In classes one through four, you move on to a sectional round. Classes five and six, you win your district, you move on to the quarterfinal round. In classes one through four, once you win your sectional, you then get to that quarterfinal round that will then represent the winners of all those quarterfinals represent your region in the final four. We've got classes one through three in weekend one, core through six in weekend two. And we've got boys and girls. So how many games are we hosting each weekend? So there's a total of 24 games each weekend. And I thought it was kind of cool. You know, we have, I kind of looked up some numbers. We have in classes one through three, we have 326 boys teams currently vying for spots down at Springfield. On the girls' side, classes one through three, we have 309. So many schools are trying to get to be one of those four spots in each class. So when you look at just a girl's side or boy's side, three classes, there'll be 12 teams of each down there. And then the same same with classes four through six. Now, something our listeners may not realize that this year is pretty unique. It's the first time our basketball classifications have been split by gender. This has never happened in the past. Historically, for all of our dual gender sports, and really we're talking basketball, cross country, and track and field, where the sport happens at the same time for both genders, but they're not co-gender sports. So we have always classified based on whichever gender has a higher number of registered teams. This year, for the first time in basketball, we split the genders. And so we have actually fewer teams, fewer schools registered in the sport of girls basketball than we do in boys basketball. So what impact has that had on the postseason? It doesn't have any impact on the regular season because the regular season, it doesn't matter. But when we get to the postseason and we've changed the way we do this classification, what's the impact? So a little history with that. In the past, there were some districts. When we district everybody, you looked at the higher gender, and that's how you made your districts. Obviously, as you talked about, boys had more teams playing. So there were some districts that the girls, you just, whatever the boys were, that's great. If the girls fell in there, they fell in there. We had districts in the state of Missouri that would have one girls team in their district, so they'd automatically win a district title, maybe two, where they play each other and win a district title. So there was a consensus of, is that fair or not? You know, and so... The, brought it out to the membership. They decided, no, let's split this classification and really look at this as two different tournaments. And so what that does is now throughout the state, we have what I call full district tournaments on the boys' side and girls' side. Now, that full district tournament may consist of only six teams, but we at least have where multiple games are played in the district in order to win that title. And so that that really evens out the field. But also what that creates is... Some schools could have their boys traveling to one district, their girls traveling to another district, and this is both a public and non-public school. You had your non-public schools always have had the championship factor, so they are used to that where they may be in different classifications, which would then put them in different districts. Now, with this change, you have their school within the same district, a public school within the same classification, maybe the same district number, but they have the opportunity to maybe go to two different district locations as well as being in different classifications. So what we've done is set some gender-specific nights so that 
mom and dad that has a son and daughter playing don't have to decide, hey, do I get to go see Johnny play tonight or do I get to just go see Jenny play tonight? And so hopefully, weather willing, we'll be able to, to stay on those gender-specific nights and they'll be able to see both. So we set the gender-specific nights for the district tournaments because of the possibility. And we have, what is it, 35 schools who are in different... Yes, there's about 35 schools that fell in different district areas and or different classifications. Yes, okay. So we have boys' nights and girls' nights in our district tournament. And then beyond the district tournaments, we get our district champions and our boys and our girls' side in each classification. We've also had some changes based on this after district. So can you talk a little bit about that? We continued that trend into our state series games, into our sectionals and quarterfinal games. Again, same premise is being in different districts, you could be in different areas sending that school, that winner to a different sectional. It may or may not be the same sectional. Obviously, we can't tell at this point how many that would affect. We just have to go by our district numbers. But we felt that in order to, again, have the opportunity to have the same school that qualifies both boys and girls for the sectionals that would win their districts to ensure that they would get to watch each other play because it may not be at the same location. We've split it into a Monday night, Tuesday night for classes one through four. Now, classes one through three is obviously it'll be a different week than class four, but it's Monday and Tuesday and boys are first this year. So boys go first. Monday night, girls are Tuesday night, and then all our quarterfinals will be the same way, held on Friday and Saturday. Boys on Friday this year, girls on Saturday. Okay, so the coordination on that has been a feat because in the past, we've had one date for the sectional, maybe a slightly different date for class one in the past, but one date for sectional. All boys and girls are playing that same date at different locations throughout the state. One date for quarterfinal, again, all boys and girls playing, same date for that. Now we've got that split between two days. What did that mean for you, Doug? Well, I've been working on this really since June, trying to nail down schools and or venues, non-mission schools, to host these events. And in the past, we've used different venues throughout the state, and they've been very willing and able to help us. But now, not only are we asking for one day or night, we're asking for two. And that caused some issues to where we can host you one night, but can't the next. And in some of the areas of the state, there's not another venue that is what I would call equitable to a venue. Let's just say they could do a boys' night, couldn't do the girls'. I wasn't going to say, well, the boy gets to go to one venue and the girls, you have to go to another, maybe less equitable venue. So that's been the big challenge. We have had to do more at our mission member schools, which is great. We have some member schools that are more than capable and willing to host these. But traditionally, we've tried to go to non-mission venues. And just it's really tough to do because of the two days and because of life right now with some of the restrictions that's been put in place. So when you say non-mission member schools, we're talking, in most cases, we're talking colleges or universities. There were some exceptions. 
And I, I think it's fair to say that our colleges and universities have been great hosts. They have charged reasonable fees for these these events. And so now we're having a hard time. We have had a hard time getting some of these college and university venues. We've also used some venues that, while they were also great hosts, they're pretty expensive. And so maybe a, an unintended positive consequence on this was where we used to pay a significant amount for a venue for a quarterfinal, maybe get two or four games out of that in a certain area of the state. Now we're looking at significantly more friendly costs for those those events. Not something we were looking to do. We try to, if we can afford it, we try to put these events on in places we can afford that are nice venues, kind of speak to how special it is to be playing in a state quarterfinal or state sectional. But in our current situation, this first year of trying to figure out the boys-girls thing, we're going to learn a lot in the next month about this format, dealing with the splitting the genders. I think for the sport, it's been a, a really good decision, but it'll be interesting for us to see how those two weeks, the district week and the sectional quarterfinal week, play out. Yeah, and as I alluded to, you can do all the planning you want in the world, and Mother Nature comes in and throws a wrench in your plans, and... Right now, there's contingency plans. I've had many district managers. What do we do if we get snow on one of the nights? And as a district tournament committee, they have a little bit of flexibility. But, you know, there's officials contracts involved and many different things. And so hopefully they're just able to push the one set of games to the next night and play both of them try to split some sites up, something to get all the games in and get back on track. Some of them ask, can they move everything and have just both championship games on the same day? You can, but you have officials contracts that are all messed up. So it kind of depends on what weather comes in, how much it impacts, but it's a good plan in theory, so we'll see if it works. So let's talk officials. The start of our championships are the start of the district tournament. And how do we handle the officials' assignments from the district tournament on through third and, and first place games? The officials that want to be a part of postseason, they have a December 31st deadline that they can sign up to be postseason eligible. From that list, our coaches can then recommend officials that they'd like to see in the district tournament from all regions of the state. And, and currently, we have the state divided up into eight regions. Then there are officials drafts that held at each of these eight different regions that athletic directors come to the venue and have a officials draft like you would a fantasy football type draft or anything else. And they'll select officials off the board and to work certain nights. Officials are allowed to sign up in one area, one area only, so that there's not confusion and, and they get drafted in multiple cities or towns on the same night. So there's a lot of athletic directors that travel to multiple drafts so they can make sure that their district is well represented by the officials that the coaches recommend. And the tough thing about all this is there are some districts that necessarily aren't spread out, but the way our officials draft regions fall, there may be a district that falls amongst two regions or it could be even three regions, depending on, you know, if you're in that corner. So it makes it tough on athletic directors and they have to do some planning. And these are all our district managers. So our district managers, I should say, have to do a lot of planning to try to get officials and know where to go to draft the officials. And we're trying to make the process a little bit better. We've done some programming and I think it's going to continue to get better. We have a plan for the future to, to help make this 
transition this draft even smoother, along with the officials' contracts, easier ways to contract them via the website and be able to edit contracts based on conflicts of interest, availability, different items like that. Once that's all done, everything gets input, and then hopefully you get a bunch of signed contracts and accepted contracts from the officials. And so who picks the officials after the district tournaments? Once the district tournaments happen, the MISHA office picks official selection of the state series officials again. I'll use that word for sectionals, quarterfinals, and our final site. And our head of officials, Kenny Seifert, chooses those along with a committee that he gathers of different people throughout the state that kind of aid in that, and I'm a part of that too. So if you come to the state championships and you're looking at the officials that are calling any number of the semifinal or final or third place game, you're seeing officials who have been selected especially for this event, and there is care taken to not only make sure we have quality officials for really all sectional quarterfinal, but really the most prestigious would be the final four. But they are also trying to represent every area of the state if they can. So there's a lot of care that goes into that officials assignment process. And fans are fans and they might not understand how that process goes. But the officials you see on the floor in the state finals There's been a lot go into determining how those men or women are chosen and assigned. We are very careful not to get into any sort of conflict of interest and make sure that the contest is fair, as fair as it could possibly be. So I'm going to switch gears now to how do we put on, how do we get this tournament done, especially at the final site in Springfield? Who does all the work? We've talked on other podcasts. Our office is about 27 people. And frankly, we take a bunch to state basketball. It takes a lot of us, but we couldn't do it by ourselves. So how do we put that event on? Well, it does take quite a few people. And I think there's about six or seven people, literally, that's not down there from this office for the event over the two weekends. So I think one of the biggest groups that I would have to recognize and help us out is our team hosts for basketball. Marty Marsh organizes those team hosts through the Springfield Visitors Bureau and Lance Kettering's group down there, and he secures volunteers to be our team hosts. And what those team hosts do is they're the point people for our teams to qualify. If they need anything, they go to the team hosts. Our team hosts meet and greets the teams at the hotel, helps them check in. They're assigned to a certain team, and they reach out to each other prior to the championships, let them know when they're going to be there. They'll meet them, greet them, help the team check in. Once they get to the arenas, they're there for check-in process. They'll help them find a practice facility around town if they want to do a shoot-around or practice in a gym. We also have an on-site practice facility. It's kind of limited with MSU's athletics, but they help them out with that. If they need places to eat while they're in town, if they need laundry done, I mean, they will do pretty much anything for them. And and obviously, we couldn't run an effective championship without them. We are greatly indebted to them. And and quite frankly, it's really neat to watch them interact with the team. They become a, a super fan of that team for the two days. And so it's a great experience. I have many people in this office that once I throw the plan together, they have to implement the plan. And I'm not going to talk about everybody because I'll forget somebody. But let's just say that it is a big group effort from this office, you know, just in the planning part of it. 
once you get down to the final site, I mentioned the, the team host. We had just talked about officials. You know, we bring 24 officials each weekend down there from around the state, and many of them have never worked together. So they spend a lot of time in meetings talking prior, which a lot of people don't know. They probably just think eh, officials just show up and they call the game. But it didn't work that way. There's a lot of planning with them and prepping and talking amongst themselves and among Kenny to make sure that they're all on the same page to, again, give the kids the best experience as possible because that's what it's about. So that's a huge part. The city of Springfield and Missouri State University, the number of ushers, security, Keith Boaz and Melissa Blankenship, their staff at Missouri State in giving direction to fans, the ticket scanners, the concessions. I mean, everybody for two arenas over a really a six-day period. We're talking for two weeks. I mean, we, we pretty much <laughs> invade Missouri State for two weeks, and, and it does take an army to allow a fan to come in the arena, pay their ticket price, sit down, enjoy the game, and walk out. And before you get into this office, you really don't think about that and kind of how it's months of preparation. But I will tell you, on March 19th, there's a big sigh of relief and a big <laughs> smile on my face once yes. it's all done. So Everything from the score table workers, the PA announcers, the Misha.tv broadcast, every single game is broadcast with color and play-by-play. We've got media relations. We've got spirit. We have performing anthem, groups. Performing groups. Yeah. We have our traditions program where we have teams come back 20 years after winning or even just placing in the top four. There's a lot going on at the state basketball tournament. It's our last year for a while, at least, in Springfield. And you talked a little bit about Lance Kettering, but the Springfield Sports Commission and other entities, but the Springfield Sports Commission is, it's really in a class of its own. <laughs> other cities have sports commissions. Springfield was one of the first to do it really, really well, really in our state, they're the gold standard, and probably nationally. The resources that they pull together to help the city of Springfield be a tremendous host for all of our championships that we host there, but certainly basketball is kind of the the crown jewel. It has just been incredible to see what Springfield has done. I'm extremely grateful to what they have done, and we're looking forward to this last year down there. Yeah, I mean, I can't thank Lance and his crew. It's a 12-month job. I mean, I talk with Lance about the basketball championships 12 months out of the year. It's not a once basketball season starts, we'll talk about it, and then when it's over, we're done. And I think that's what a lot of people don't know. And the city of Springfield hosts other championships, ours too, and and he has a hand in every part of that and, and the reason why it's there. But what the individuals in Springfield do for mission for the fans again that a lot of people don't know about is incredible and we're indebted to them and it will be tough to leave i mean you know we've been there now for a sixth year uh, with covid at missouri state and they've been top notch in everything they do you know and they could have very easily said even this year oh yeah we'll be ready for you whatever but it's your last year it's been nothing but top-notch, first-class, what do you need, what can we do? So it'll be bittersweet to have our last games there this year, you know, in this process. Yes. At the time we are recording this, we do not know any of the teams that will qualify for either weekend. State basketball is a premier event in our state. Basketball is a popular sport for high school sports, certainly in Missouri and, and all over the country. 
the experience for a kid and the experience for a coach. And when I say a kid, I'm talking about the players. I'm talking about the cheerleaders, the managers, the students who ride the pet bus and come down. It is a big memory for these schools and these communities. The first weekend has a different flavor than the second because we don't get very many whole towns that come the second weekend. But in the first weekend, we will get whole towns that show up to support their team, their school. And it is really a special event. I think I probably say that about all of our championships, but I think we can say that we get more fans and spectators at basketball that are not tied to any teams, but they are tied to the Missouri State High School Activities Association basketball championships. They come every year because they love the sport. They love the event. And Doug, you do a really great job of putting that event on. Is there anything that we've missed that you want to help people understand about state basketball? No, I mean, a a couple of things. I'm going to, just what you just said there, about the fans that may come. One thing that I really like about the championships too is for one day, a one-day ticket, you can stay for every single game. You know, you come on Friday or Saturday, you know, you can see six games in a row for 10 bucks, 11 bucks, 12 bucks, whatever. Now, you'll have to eat and drink throughout the day. That's on you, but that's a great price to watch a lot of good basketball. And if you can't make it in person, we've put together TV packages. You missed miss TV earlier. You purchase the package and you get every single game for one low price. And so that we know there's a lot of people out there that can't get to it. Ever since I was a little kid, I can remember my dad bring me down to Mizzou, or it wasn't Mizzou Arena, it'll be Hearn Center, you know, when I was a kid and, and watching some of the championships. And for me to kind of be able to run it now is kind of a goosebump feeling. It's kind of surreal still. My first year doing this last year was just kind of a, a tornado windstorm. And I got done and was like, what did I just do? Now, knowing kind of a little bit of it, I'm appreciating it so much more and looking forward to a better tournament if we can do that and a better quality championship and and if you want to come enjoy it with us we'd love to have you there and we'll save you a seat it'll be there okay march 9th 10th and 11th for classes one two and three boys and girls march 16th 17th and 18th all on the campus of the missouri state university at the great southern bank arena in the Hammond Student Center. You can buy your tickets online through our website, or you can watch on Misha.tv. Doug Fessler, thank you for being with us today to talk about basketball championships in Missouri. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. This has been Misha All Access. I'm Dr. Jennifer Ruxted. This is Dr. Jennifer Ruxted, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you for listening to the Misha All Access podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you.